Greetings, kind people. Welcome to Web of Life Animus Network's We Shall Be Known series. This is Quinn Red Mountain, and this time our third episode highlights me and a few stories from my life that seem to be archetypal important stories because we all have them. Blessings to you. This is Quinn, Quinn Red Mountain, and it is wonderful to be able to share a story. And Dove prompted me about core story, or the story that I am eligible or um, gifted to tell. And so I've been thinking about that because there's lots of stories, right? Stories within stories. And I keep seeing this tapestry and there's all the threads of the tapestry. So there's many stories and yet it all culminates into this moment. So honestly, I'm not exactly sure the order or how this is gonna come out. But what does come to me is, let's say if there's three, maybe four, strong threads that other threads are built around or woven around and the first one I would suppose is my birth which has taken me my entire adult life to come to terms with so I am the oldest of four children two birthed by my mother and two adopted and I'm the only female-bodied person, uh, right? So I have three brothers. So I was the first. And I think it's fascinating now to think that my mother was 23 years old when she had me. I'm like, wow, what a baby, you know? But that's how it used to be done for sure and still is. But the point of this particular thread of this story is that apparently I didn't want to leave her because I kept hanging out. So like two weeks after my birth due date, I'm still in there. And so then it comes to the point of, okay, that's it, we have to take her out, right? But then, uh, so as now, I am almost six feet tall. I mean, I'm a big boned person, a female bodied person. So I kind of have the stature of a male bodied person, but I was not male. And that's another thread of uh, what kind of girl am I? But this one is that literally I was too big for my mother to have me. So that meant cesarean section. And so the reason I'm bringing this up, so that happened, it all worked out, but the remnant of that, that I continued to feel and I didn't understand how that was related to my birth, was a feeling of, ooh, I want to, or ooh, that's exciting. No, this, then this, it felt like deflation. And I felt it all through my teen years. And, and what I, and, and adult, up until I was just about 50, was when I finally figured it out. And it started to dissipate. But it, it, I associated it with a lack of confidence. I want to, but no, who am I to do that? Like, no, I couldn't possibly do that. That's too bold to do that. 
But over time, as it continued, I realized like this is it's deflating. It feels like I deflate. I get ooh yes, and then I deflate. What the heck is that? And I did know about the story of my birth. And intellectually, I thought, oh, maybe there's a relationship. But that feeling was always an inhibition or a stop or a boundary. And then as I got older, which is another thread, and something happened to me that's led to the life that I live now, until that happened when I was in my mid-20s, I didn't have a reason to push through it, right? I just let it deflate me. So then in my, uh, when I was 26, then I had an experience that gave me the incentive to figure out a way to push through it. But what untangled this for me was actually San Pedro, a wonderful plant teacher. I was really feeling it at the time, of feeling like, no, I can't manifest what I feel called to manifest. And I'd already been creating things, but the feeling remained. You know, it's like, why won't this feeling untangle, even though I am, I am facing it, I'm pushing through it. And I will say, just as an insertion, um, a few years before what I'm about to say, I dealt with a cancer. And um, one thing that cancer taught me was that which we just keep trying to push through eventually stops us and says, honey, you have got to face it and you've got to figure out a way through it, right, to untangle whatever it is. So the pushing through, you know, worked, but it didn't fix the issue. And so this time with San Pedro, then I started hearing a very clear voice, and it was right off, right at the beginning. And he, I sense him as a he, he started to say, I'll just kind of paraphrase the essence of the message, which was, okay, let's just deal with this right now. You can't keep taking this along with you. And so he said, I know you have built a story your entire life that you were stopped from doing what you felt called to do. You were excited to be born, and you tried and you tried and you tried and you couldn't. Physically, it wasn't your fault, but you couldn't. That's the deflated feeling. So your story is that you were stopped by circumstance. But he said, how about a different way to look at it? You chose, or by destiny or whatever, were born in a place at a time where there was a workaround. There was the technology, there was the medicine, the, the, the clean hospital to be able to find a way out. If you were born at a different time or in a different place where those weren't available, your mother would have died, you probably would have died. That's happened many, many times. So how about if you think about it that way? You're really good at manifesting workarounds, another way to face an issue. And I tell you, when I heard that in my head, and I was starting to really get off at that point. You know, I was like, wow, okay. And I thought, wow, another way to look at it. And it totally dissipated the issue. So it's never too late for that to happen, that's for sure, right? Because I was well, I was around 50, 51, something like that. And I haven't felt it since. I'm almost 55. So I think 
now with the work that I do, that I've done for 20 years and working with people and the way that we can navigate finding our way through these things, like we can't ignore it, we can't keep it in a box in the inner closet of our soul and think, oh, it's the past, it doesn't matter, it, or it's not real. It is real and it's affecting us. Same with ancestral things before us that we inherit, right? It does matter and it is affecting us. And there, it's never too late. I've learned that from both my mother and my father to address things and, and untangle these things. And so that's the first big thread. The second one is about my growing up from pre-puberty, through teen times, into my 20s, even, again, I'm, I, maybe I'm a late bloomer, but until I was definitely in my 40s and maybe the last five to 10 years, is this thing about what kind of girl am I? I never, I mean, I used to be, before puberty, I used to be thought to be a boy. And I didn't know what to do with that. I, it felt very dangerous to me. I mean, that's now looking back, that's the way I sensed it, was if I'm not perceived to be a girl, bad things will happen. And now looking back, I can see, yeah, it does sometimes, that does happen with people who have an attitude about how you're supposed to be. But it, that's also related to the first time I was ever sexualized was when I don't remember what age I was, but I was definitely flat-chested. So I was visiting my grandmother in the Midwest, and it was summer, and it was really hot. And so my brother and I, who was just a little bit younger than me, were going to go to the park. He had no shirt on, so I didn't wear a shirt. I wasn't stopped from not wearing a shirt. But when I got to the park and I was playing, this older boy said to me, Are you a boy or a girl? He couldn't even tell. Are you a boy or a girl? And I said, a girl. And then he said, ooh, sexy. And that really stuck with me. And now I've wondered, what if I would have said I was a boy? Like if it would have been now, this time, I might have answered differently, right? But there wasn't the language now, then. There, there was no concept of gender fluid or beyond the binary or like any of that. Trans, not, nothing. You were one or the other. So I wasn't the one. I mean, I wasn't what I perceived to be a girl. Although I had the parts of a girl. But not in the way that I saw every other girl. <laughs> or most, of course. And so that, again, that lack of self-confidence, right? Because of social norms. And this was in the, so, you know, I graduated in the mid-80s. Ugh horrible time and I did my best with what I had but it really formed how I perceived myself in the culture I felt outside excluded now I'm a white-bodied person meaning that in the sea of white-bodied people I kind of blended in and I, I do acknowledge now that that's a huge survival technique of my ancestors Definitely three out of four grandparents did their best for various reasons of not calling attention to themselves and doing their best to fit in, hide in plain sight, 
so something that I'm incredibly grateful for as a middle-aged person now is the expanded awareness. I mean, there's sexuality, sure, but this gender thing, I just cannot express how grateful I am for that expansion because it doesn't have to be just one way. So now I feel like I fit into that perfectly even though I'm still figuring out what that is. And so that's a huge relief. So for anyone listening who <laughs> maybe grew up in a different time, right? It's never too late to claim it and to say, oh, you know, it's all made up anyway. Especially a colonized view, a monotheistic, very restrictive view. You're either one or the other. And to that I say, fuck that, you know, which is what the culture aspects of the culture are now saying too. And that is a huge sigh of relief, although now we see what that inspires in the hating cultures, right? So there's that awareness of we're throwing this off, this binary, and then the ones who think, no, 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 you all are bad. We're going to make laws against you all, right? So we'll have to figure that out, and it's dangerous. But it has given me strength. So that's, that's another thread of me in this life. A third thread is what happened to me in my mid-20s, which was I, and I'll do the very short story of this, I had an experience in the middle of the night that was not logical and not explainable by regular means. Basically, I was hit in the head multiple places. I was bleeding in the night in my sleep. And after that, my whole life changed. It's like something was unlocked, and I didn't feel it was violent. The, the physical hurting was a, a byproduct or an oops of what was meant to happen, which was to kind of reactivate me, so to speak. And after that experience, I started very vividly hearing voices, not scary voices, guiding voices, but they definitely weren't my own personality voices. And having dreams, visionary type of experiences. So that's a whole thing to figure out. And I'm grateful that at the time, my mother and others close to me didn't question my sanity, and they didn't try to... Now, back then, medication was much different. Like, it wasn't so free as it is now, right? But I wasn't institutionalized. I have since met many people who have had visionary, expansive experiences in their family, put them in, an inst or put them in a facility, or drugged them, you know, medicated them. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I had to figure all of that out. And I'm grateful to have been given piece by piece, the, the parts of that story that, hey, it's a thing. People, this is part of the human experience, right? And there's not only this mundane physical reality, there's all of these other realms of reality, including the unseen reality that some see, some hear. And that in every culture around the planet, people have been called to be these roles in their community. It's a thing that is, has also been demonized and persecuted over and over by 
guess who? <laughs> the colonizing, monotheistic, like, this, it's our way or, or the, the bad way. And so now, since I've helped, I've figured, helped myself figure that out, I work with others around that. And so that part of my path has helped me with my ancestry as well, which is now the final piece. You know, I come from, I'm here in the, what's now called the United States, stolen land from all of the indigenous people here. It was a horrifying story, still in process, a repeat of what happened all over Europe, what's happened everywhere. And even though I didn't grow up knowing any of that, I, I always felt like, here's how it came to me. This was when I was a teenager. This isn't what I remember, is how it came to me. Like, whatever the F this is, it is not what I remember. There's something very wrong here. <laughs> no offense to any particular person or community, but I knew I didn't belong in this. Um, and then so when I was hit on the head and this whole other thing opened up for me, it gave me something to grab onto that led me out of that paradigm and got me searching for what was hidden in plain sight underneath it, right? It's much older than it. The, the, all of the parts of our human story of where we are now, but what has, how we've gotten here through colonization through conversion by force, uh, by domination of women and uh, white supremacy, all of these things that now are spoken of, and I'm so grateful for that, right? That we can acknowledge this is how, this is why we're here. And also then how our internal relationship with our intuitive gifts, with our knowings, with our connections with our ancestors and the trees and the plants and the sun and all of the web of life, that it's related. Like the only way out of this problem, climate emergency, is through this pain, is through, and, and I think now like we can really tell who resists facing this pain. It's very obvious now. So for anyone listening, any resistance that we have to just facing it, facing the pain that we feel, the separation that we feel, the, uh, oh, there's something wrong with me that we feel, the uh, I'm broken that we feel, that I was made wrong, or I am inherently bad that we feel is not from us. It's not us, and that is this thing that's been overlaid. And that that's why we're here now. I know that's why I'm here now at this time is because, one, I've been told, you know, this is the time for figuring this out. It's our only hope, really. And so that's my world now. I don't have physical, I don't have children like human children. I have four-legged companions, but this is why I'm here now is to decipher this, to de dispel it. I mean, it kind of feels like a spell that has been cast and we're all trying to start to shake that shit off and go, wait a minute. I am not crazy. There are serious things that are wrong here and that so many other parts of our puzzle can start to come together as we give ourselves the space and the permission to question what feels very, very wrong 
but also I'll add an addendum to that, which is the wrong is not our essence, right? Like we are not broken. I say that to people all the time. This started well before you. You inherited this. So whatever part of the story your ancestry has played, right? Being enslaved, being the enslavers, being a female, dominating females, um, whatever it is, being a dominator, being a, a victim of domination, that it's all a part of this unfolding um, awareness of how we got here and how if we're going to do something different in this next era, I mean, if humanity makes it through or whatever part of us makes it through this this earth thing that we're all doing together into another era, which I really hope we do because we have so much capacity for good if we can see that in each other, but first in ourselves. And so if we can accept ourselves as we are, as beautiful. And I am grateful to have been asked this question and that's where I'll leave it for now. It's a story that is ever unfolding and I'm so grateful you were able to hear my little bit today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my stories in this episode of We Shall Be Known. I look forward to having chats and listening to stories of other animus in Web of Life community and beyond. And you can find out more about us at weboflifeanimus.com. You are needed here. Take good care of yourself.